You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I've been reading uh, probably too many news stories about the, uh, the concentration camps that are on the, uh, the border of the country. Some people call them concentration camps. That's my preferred term. But you don't have to call them that if you don't want to. For some reason, there's a discussion about that happening, um, which is a little frustrating. But the condition that uh, the ch- children and other vulnerable people are, um, are in in these detention camps, to me, is just an amazing demonstration of the human capacity for uh, evil and neglect. Right? I'm shocked by the horror that I'm observing and that I'm witnessing, um, that I'm reading about. For example, in this, in this one article, a two-year-old boy locked in detention wants to be held all the time. A few girls ages 10 to 15 say they've been doing their best to feed and soothe the clingy toddler who was handed to them by a guard days ago. Lawyers warn that kids are taking care of kids and there's inadequate food and water and sanitation for the 250 infants, children, and teens at the Border Patrol station. You know, when I read something like that, I have a lot of uh, feelings inside of me because I have, um, I come from a lineage of immigrants myself and my kids are six and three, you know. I'm, I, you know, two, two, a two-year-old is real, uh, real um, recent to me. And I kind of see myself in these people, and it's painful. It's personal. You know, it, it, it uh, touches something inside of me. It hurts me. The administration is holding detainees, um, even children, right, without soap and toothpaste in conditions where the kids are struggling to sleep. And the and and the and the disappoint the deepening disappointment is in it's not just a matter of lack of resources. It's okay. It's not just a lack of resources, because even when people have attempted to donate to help the kids, they're denied. So quite possibly there's a punitive aspect to this. Something horrible is happening. Right? It sounds apocalyptic, like the end of the world. It sounds uh, completely horrible. And for the reasons I shared, because of how it personally wounds me and touches me, it is really hard to hold out for hope in a world like this. You know, maybe I should stop paying attention to it and fill my Twitter feed with funny things or something like that. That could be an option. It's, it's, I, I feel as a Christian, a responsibility to bear witness to this. Um, and when I'm, when I'm faced with that kind of evil, it is really hard not to despair in hopelessness. And to add to the despair, it's a sad day when you think it's a partisan statement to say this is completely evil. You know, the truth is, in the United States, things like this have been happening for a long time. And so... And an election won't fix this. That isn't to um, excuse any current rhetoric 
or behavior that amplifies this, okay? So there's things happening. It's not, it's not one or the other, it's not simple. And sometimes people come up to me and they, and, they, and they ask me, well, what would you do with this crisis, all these migrants at the border? As if I'm a politician, I'm not a politician, you know, I'm not. That's not, that's not what I'm given to do. You know, I don't share my concern just to talk about politics. I, I don't know what else to do. I have to cry out to God, no, you save me. I'm seeing the evil before me. I don't know what to do, but I'm naming it evil because I don't have any other language to describe it. I'm having an existential experience when I'm receiving it. And so I don't know what else to do but to cry out to God and to name the evil. You know, like the psalmist, how long, O Lord? You know, I ask, where are you, God? In the midst of this evil, where are you? Why have you hidden yourself? Do something. Be here. Show us. Give me some hope. I don't know what to do. You know, kids are dying. More in the last year, last two years, in, in, in immigration custody than in the last 10 years. I stopped recording who is dying in their care. So we don't even know, the, we don't even know how many are dead. You know, what, what will we find? What's going to happen? Save us. You know, I'm having a dialogue with God about this. I'm hoping for something more. And, 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 and it feels like God is hiding some days to me. That's a faith-crushing experience. It's confusing how this is all working. I can't even believe we're here. And so the magnitude of human evil, as is demonstrated here in any number of other places, I just gave you one. There's no shortage of evil. The magnitude of human evil seems to eclipse the presence of God in the world to me some days. And I don't know what to do. You know, and, 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 and all I have is what I have. So that's why I need my cell. That's why I need this meeting right here. That's why I need to, to come together and, uh, and, and sing out how great you are, God. I need that connection. I need, I need you in my life. That's why I need community. I need to be reminded that God is in the world. I need stories of hope. I need you to help me and hopefully the other way around too, right? We're here for each other. There's reciprocity. There's a relationship. Something's happening. We're revealing God to each other, right? I need stories of hope. I need evidence of God in the world. And you're the evidence of God to me, right? I see it in you. I see it in worship. I see it in our community. I see it in our acts of compassions. I need to keep seeing it. I need help to see it. And so the thing we're doing together is um, hope, is, is, um, hope building in a time where um, it seems like despair is the thing being built, right? Hope is the thing being crushed. Faith is the thing being crushed, right? It's, it's really hard. And then to see people that um, I love, people that um, say they love God, right? turning a blind eye to this, right? That's really hard too, right? Or reducing it down to some uh, political matter. You know, I, I, I know God is here, right? I invoked God's presence at the beginning of the meeting. I know, I know. I know the facts as far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, right? I, I, I live with the idea that the creator imprinted the creator's DNA 
in all things, right? The, the fingerprints of God are on me and in the whole world and on everything. You know, I know I'm supposed to be able to see God in everything, right? I got, I got an A on that paper. It's not, but it's not helping. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything, right? It's, it's, it, that's the worst way to experience it, right? Just in a cerebral sense. It's hard to, to, to receive it in my fullness, and I need help to do it. You know, a friend of mine wrote a lyric a few years ago, resonates with me still. He wrote, blind as I'd become, I used to wonder where you are. These days I can't find where you're not. I like the faith. I appreciate the uh, earnestness. And I believe it, you know. I long for that faith in a time such as this. I have to keep reminding myself that God really did create all things, and thus God is in all things. I have to refrain that in my mind, that the divine DNA is everything. And that not only adds to everyone's humanity, including my enemy, right? Including my enemy, including the ICE agent, as well as the two-year-old that needs to be held, right? There's a universality to God and the experience of God. And, and, and my longing is that we would all experience that, that all of us can experience God in our own way. But I know that's also not good enough because it's, not, it's just not good enough to say God is in all things and then let that lie because that, the responsibility then falls on you and me individually to personally access God. And we need help to see God in all things. It's hard to comprehend God in all. It's hard to comprehend anything at all. It's hard to comprehend your own being, that you're a thing at all. Or your own consciousness, that you're a thing who knows that it's a thing. Right? Or the idea of love, bliss, goodness, hope. All these things that are bigger than us and so materially inexplicable, so confusing, so confounding. We get close, you know, we develop a mathematical formula that makes sense to us, but we never ask what sense is or what math is, right? There's a bigger question happening. There's something confusing happening, and, and um, why does that comfort, comfort us? You know, the, and, you know it's, I, 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 blew, I got it a little bit bigger than seeing God amidst the uh, migrant crisis, because that's kind of helpful for me too. So you're getting to know me a little bit too. Make it a little bit more abstract and philosophical so that I don't have to just constantly get crucified with the pain that's around me, right? Coping mechanism there. I'm not just trying to convince you that something bigger than you exists in the world or that God exists necessarily. What I want to really focus on is the idea that seeing God's imprint is hard, even for the willing, even if you want to see it, like I want to see it, it's still hard for me. So people need help. And my answer has always been something like, come and experience the living God in the body of believers, in the body of Christ. The community we're forming here's purpose is to show God to the world, right? To experience God here so that people can have metaphysical hope in an otherwise despairing world, right? That's the whole, that's the church. That's what we're doing. So, and, and, and one of the most unique things that we do is that we mimic the creator with our own creativity, you, you, you already saw that numerous times tonight. 
right? We say God is an artist, the artist who follows the creator, creates to reveal the glory of God too. Someone read that again. God is an artist, the artist who follows the creator, creates to reveal the glory of God too. The art we create reveals the glory of God. And I, I think you already experienced this tonight, like I was saying, right? Some of you may have sang a song for the first time, and it was probably the first time a group of people ever sang it, right? Something new happened tonight, and we all experienced that. God was revealed in that, right? You might not look at a potato the same way again either, right? New things are happening. Things are changing, right? And you're seeing God and the creativity around you. I'm surprised by this, but it begins with seeing yourself as a creator too, that the DNA of God is in us. God created, and because we are made like God, we create too. Here's how the writer of Genesis tells the story. The writer of Genesis 1. We can get really specific here. Someone out loud, read this. This is from, a, just, to, just, just, to be, just to be a nerd for a second, this is from a brand new translation of the Hebrew Bible. So there's new things happening here. Um, someone out loud, read it. And God said, let us make a human in our image, by our likeness, to hold sway over the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the heaven, and the cattle, and the wild beasts, and all the growing things that crawl upon the earth. And God created the human in his image. In the image of God, he created Male and female, he created them. Robert Alter takes the typical... Uh, in those last three lines, Adam is um, Hebrew for man, but he makes it human here because later on the writer will differentiate uh, human as male and female. And so even though it disrupts the poetry a little bit, he was moved to add human here because something different is happening. Um, and there's more we could say about this passage. The... Um, Later on in Genesis 1, the, the writer will say, God created day and night. And so sometimes we think of, uh, of male and female as a similar spectrum and not a binary. So just think about that if you, got, if, if you don't want to think about what I'm saying. A lot of people have discussed what the idea of the image of God is and what it means. And some people, some people think it's a characterological thing where it tells us something we're more like God than other creatures are. Others think it has to do with our nature or our consciousness or free will or something that deep and intricate. intricate in, can't say the word. But I think that when we dive too deeply into what it means, we allow our view of humanity, or you might say our anthropology, to inform our theology. And so there, there, there is a lot here. I, I shy away from packing more into it than is readily apparent because I think my own biases inform that. A, a simple way to imagine it though is we're, we're literally God's image. And we, because we're God's image, we reflect and represent God to the world. This is in contrast with typical ancient Near Eastern religions. Ancient Near Eastern means like, let's say Northern Africa, Middle East, Asia Minor, a long time ago, that kind of area. In other ancient Near Eastern religions, other than Judaism here, 
would have kings be the images of God, the representatives of God, and thus kings were worshipped. And you find no such idea in the Old Testament. In fact, in 1 Samuel 8, when the idea of kings is introduced, um, Samuel, for one, is very concerned about this prospect. Israel, in general, is suspicious of kings. You know, we already have God. We already have God's image. We don't need, why do we need a king? You know, and they have this, uh, this, this complicated relationship with kings, unlike other religions and nations. Also equipped with God's image, Israel lacks a need for idols because they hold God. They don't need statues that represent God or other things that represent him. I'm, I'm already God's representative to the world. I'm already made in God's image. And so if you imagine yourself as a representative ruler of God, that brings a new meaning to the idea of ruling over creation, like would be typically translated here. Or Robert Alter says, hold sway over creation, which is an interesting idea. He doesn't know that sway is like a cool word. He's just, he, he doesn't like how sway, he's not saying it like that. He's, uh, he's saying it, you know, some influence over creation. But what does it mean then to act like God over creation? We represent God to the world in how we hold sway over creation. How we do it represents God. That's what you're doing. You're the God's representative. And we lead like God leads. We rule like God rules. And God leads in a way that is quite different than the other rulers. So if you get an idea of what rulership or dominion means from a source other than God, you're liable to mess things up. Don't do that. Follow God. God is ruling. God is ruling you. God is showing you God's character. And you can follow in the way God is leading you and represent God to the world. God's difference in ruling is evidenced by the fact that God created humankind in, his, in God's own image and didn't assign special meaning to a special class or a monarchical class or something like that. Something different is happening, right? Here's how Psalm 8 describes it. This is, this is not from Robert Alter, it's from someone else. Someone out loud, read this. When I'm looking at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, and all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8. Thank you. The psalmist is wondering. What is the significance of humankind? Why do you care about mere mortals, or you could say human creatures? And he discovers God imparted God's own image in them and then declares God majestic in all the earth. The extension of God is in all of creation where humankind is bringing forth the revelation and the glory of God in all things, the majesty of God in all things. Our job then as images of God is to reveal the glory of God in all of creation where it resides, right? To bring forth the revelation of God in all things, the majesty of the sovereign God in everything. That's what the psalmist is saying. And, and the psalmist even by writing the psalm, is demonstrating how to do it, right? He or she wrote the psalm to demonstrate God's glory. 
we can do the same thing, right? Here's how Paul says it in Romans 1. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things God has made. Even ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, confusing big ideas, and he'll say that in the next phrase here, though invisible, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things God has made. God has made things in the world that reveal this unusual, mysterious power and nature that he has. And Paul would go on to say, and thus no one is without excuse. And then he'll go on to his whole um, theodicy and then universalize Jesus by the end of the book. So it's a good book to read. Not tonight, though. Paul clearly says that God, even though God is invisible, is made visible by what God has made. You and we are the ones who make God visible. Just like God is revealed in creation, God's revealed in us. So go back to the idea of the image of God. We are representative rulers that show the world who God is and reveal God. Right Now our proverb says the things we create the art that we create reveals God just like God is revealed, um, just, just like creation reveals God's glory. Being created in God's image means we embody God and we're also charged with revealing God. We are as if signposts for the living God in the world. We show the whole world God. And that isn't just a religious sect that does it, right? This is humanity. This is what humankind is doing. And so the image of God means we were created, and so we are creators. It's a vocation. It's a vocational idea. It's not a static idea. Like, you don't gain your humanity just by being stamped with the image of God. We are gaining it together by practicing in the vocation of revealing God to the world. That's what it means. You fall, you're becoming more human in your revelation of God to the world. And it's an important time to do that. People are having a hard time seeing God. And we contain the secret of God's revelation in us. Just like those, those Jewish people in Babylonian captivity that we were singing about, crying out and weeping, where are you? Crying out for Zion, for something more. We're crying out and showing and, re and, and allowing the world to remember where they are, who they are, where they're going. And if, for me, that means we have to make things. We have to build things. We have to create things that reveal God. The big thing we're doing is creating a community together. Right? We're, we made this meeting happen, and we're making, we're making a whole community happen, right? This is, this is the, whole, the whole church is engaged in a process this big that Caroline will tell you more about in a moment, right? We're building something together. And for me, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm, it's a wonder to be a part of a community like you, like you that is so creative and so artistic, not just because it allows people to express their amazing talent, which is nice. A community that encourages creativity and exploration. When we create, we create to reveal God. That doesn't mean that everything we create is hopeful or joyous or positive, but it reflects our experience in the world and it can help point to God because we also point to God and our experiences can frame God too. This isn't just an inevitability. 
It's active. We have to do it with some intention. We have to create knowing that what we make reveals God to the world. There's something about the process and the beauty and the creativity that breaks through the mundanity of our lives. It breaks through the limited imagination that we have that make it hard to see God in the world. It gets us out of um, the utility of making things into the beauty of making things, right? This crude division between artist and artisan is blurred here, right? Because artisans make beautiful things too, right? And so there's things that lack utility in their very practical um, craft. Does that make sense? How I, how I, there's something um, impractical about it. And thus, we can sing a song during a protest. You can write a poem and recite it out loud or, 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 uh, or um, create a painting. And that unlocks you from the, uh, from the mind-numbing um, policy crafting that you think you have to do in order to cry out against evil, right? This um, liberal democratic framework that we're forced into is unlocked by creativity. We can do something new, do something different, something unusual seemingly. We need to break out of that, and creating together changes the architecture of our imagination and helps us see God where God isn't apparent. It unlocks us. It helps us see the world differently. I don't have, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. Maybe I have like one. But I want to keep trying to reveal God so that I can graduate myself from my otherwise limited framework and begin to employ myself in the vocational revelation of God, what God has given me, right? You know, I, I, and I want to show you that if I can, if, literally, if I can dabble, so can you, right? We're, we're, we're kind of at the same level if, 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 you're, if you feel like a low-level artist. You know, I have to start small, right? I have to write something down and then read it out loud in a poetic way. I have to sketch something. I have to move something around, move towards writing poetry and sharing it out loud. You know, that doesn't, it is really hard for me to think that way. And I have to stretch myself to do it. The good thing is we're going to spend this whole season and the next few Sundays here. And we'll have more of those uh, water painting boards too so you can experiment and then you don't have to uh, canonize your painting into forever. It just leaves, which is helpful for some of us. But we're going to spend the next few seasons, Sundays rather, imagining how we can mimic our creator, creating things that reveal God to the world. So hope you'll join us. Give it a shot. See what activity, some, what creativity you can foster. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.